Hello, and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover. Welcome to this new year where we are focusing on being our best selves. Today, we're going to talk about the top five common nutrition mistakes teachers are making and how to avoid them. Before I introduce our guest today, I want to tell you that this podcast episode is sponsored by the Educators to Educators membership site. The goal of E2E membership is to help teachers love being a teacher again through personal and professional development. We are focusing on owning our emotions, our relationships, and having healthy boundaries this year. This includes healthy boundaries with money, healthy boundaries with food, healthy boundaries with fitness, healthy boundaries with people. And we have so many fun modules and videos that actually align a lot with what we're talking about today, which is what are the things that we're doing? What are the boundaries we're setting up in our lives to make sure we are being our best selves as teachers? You can learn more about the Educators to Educators membership at www.educatorstoeducators.com. Before I leave talking about this membership site, I want to let all of you know that we have started a new partnership with Accredible where you can earn accredited certificates and badges through E2E. They all come with a QR code that you can turn into your school district so that they can verify that these are the real deal certificates if you need that for PD credit. So head on over to www.educatorstoeducators.com to learn more. Today, we're talking to Candace Ludwig, who is an organizational psychologist and certified nutrition and wellness coach from my favorite city in the world, Chicago. Organizational psychology is the field of psychology at work. Candace spends her time studying what makes work engaging and what's fulfilling for people. Today, we're going to talk about how teachers can start their day off right through nutrition to make sure that you feel your best throughout the day. I want to start this before I introduce Candace with saying, this is not about weight loss or eating the right foods or eating the wrong foods because we want to talk about weight loss. Like I want to make that really clear. This is about fueling our bodies and our minds and our souls with foods that are going to make us feel great and energized throughout the day. Candace, welcome to the Educators to Educators podcast. Thank you so much, Carrie. I'm so happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about why you are doing this work, why this work is so important to you. You know, I love that question because it reminds me of my best friends. So I have a lot of friends that are teachers. I've worked with a lot of teachers uh, through nutrition coaching the last three or four years. And it sort of became this running joke in our group of friends that those of us that worked in corporate had all the resources in the world in terms of supplies and things like that. And teachers were spending their own money and running out to supply their own classroom with things, right? And we, you know, laughing, but not laughing, like, wow, that's sort of messed up, right? That like corporate has all these things and educators don't, right? right. It spurred this whole conversation on how teachers, you know, put themselves last often and their health becomes one of those things that just doesn't get handled because they're running around worrying about everything else, right? So- I realized this was this great opportunity for me to take 
what I know about being engaged at work and showing up as your best self at work, what I know about fitness and wellness, and really applying it to a group of people that need it the most, but aren't necessarily the most inclined to to do their own self-care and to put themselves first. Well, a lot of it has to do with time. I feel like teachers never feel like they have enough time in their personal lives or their professional lives. So what I liked about this topic is that we're honing in on the start of the day, which is so important. And a lot of times teachers are up early. I hear teachers say they get up at 5.30 in the morning. So I know normally here on the E2E podcast, we talk about things in threes, but Candace has this great list of top five common nutrition mistakes that teachers are making. So we're going to make an exception today and talk about this in a five instead of a three. So let's start talking about the morning and what we are having. What's that first mistake that you are seeing teachers make? Yeah. So the first one is what I call the sugar bomb breakfast. A lot of times teachers think that they're eating healthy foods and often the quality of their foods is pretty good, but they're all carbs. There's not a whole lot of fat and usually very low protein. And so what that's doing is giving you energy in the morning. You feel pretty good getting the day going, but then you crash later. Then you think you need like another hit of of sugar, so to speak, or of caffeine to really bring your energy level back up. And then it just keeps this cycle going of dips and peaks of energy and you don't really, it's hard to sustain that for the day and then get into the evening. And when you, when you have these peaks and valleys of energy because of eating too much sugar in the morning, it just sets you up to have cravings later in the day and then it's harder to eat healthier as the day goes on. So can you give us some examples of maybe what those heavy carb breakfasts are that teachers might be having? And again, we're not food shaming here, but you're saying like, what are some examples of things that maybe are going to bring you down later? And then maybe what some good substitutes are for that. Yeah. And again, a lot of times the food itself, the quality is okay. It's just the combination of the foods or not adding in other kinds of food that are healthy. So for instance, a lot of people will go to granola and yogurt in the morning because it's very easy. You don't have to actually cook anything, right? And those two foods alone can be great for you, but they're mostly carbs. And so your body is going to process that like sugar, right? What you want to do is have a more balanced meal, something that includes the carbs, fat, and especially the protein. That's what's going to help people feel full longer, have a little bit more steady energy, And then, you know, less likely for that food to be stored as fat on the body. So I noticed that you put as great meal options, eggs and egg whites. So can you tell us some ideas? Like I know personally, I have a sensitivity to eggs. So I've pretty much eliminated any type of egg from my diet, which has been once I had the actual blood test and realized that it was so interesting for me because I thought, oh, I'm eating eggs. It's that's great source of protein in the morning, but it was actually making me feel like crap. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I didn't realize, you know, necessarily it was the egg. So now that I've eliminated that, I've had to get more creative with my breakfast, but I was actually really excited to see your list because there are a lot of things that I have switched to. So can you share some of those out? Oh, that's awesome. And I'd love to hear your personal experience with it too. And it's funny you say that I was just talking with a friend yesterday about how eggs can be great until they're not. So it sounds like (laughs) you are one of those people. Yes. Um, So eggs and egg whites are my go-to for a lot of people if you don't have a sensitivity to it. Um, Another option that I really love are protein pancakes or protein waffles. 
Those are, you can buy them frozen. So if you don't have time to cook anything in the morning, you can just pop them in the microwave or the toaster oven. You can also make them yourself. And it's really like a pancake, but it's got protein in it as well. And so you're getting some carbs, you're getting some protein. And then usually I add a little bit of peanut butter to that also to get some fat in there. Avocado is a great healthy fat. I love to do avocado toast. I usually will get sprouted toast when I do that. And then that's when I'm adding in my eggs and egg whites in my case. If I don't have time to cook or if I don't have hard-boiled eggs ready to go, I'll do a protein shake with the avocado and the toast again so that I'm making sure that what I'm eating has all three macronutrients, the protein, the fat, and the carbs. And then turkey bacon or turkey sausage are also really good go-tos in the morning. I like people to use those sparingly. Processed meat is not usually the best kind of source of protein for us, but getting any kind of protein in in the morning is going to be better than only eating carbs. I love that avocado toast option that you said, the sprouted toast, which I have not tried. I should try that. There's something for me about the avocado toast that feels really warm. Hmm. And, you know, we're Midwest ladies, so (laughs) I feel especially in the winter months now, like if I am going to have something in the morning, you and I were talking about how I've done intermittent fasting. And so a lot of times I don't eat in the morning. Again, I'm not recommending that it's what works for me. But if I do feel like I want something in the morning, there is something about that avocado toast that feels really warm and filling to me. Would another good option for that be like peanut butter on toast? Or is that getting you back to the carbs? No, that would be great because the okay. to- like the carbs are mostly coming from the toast in that example. There's a little bit of carbs in peanut butter, but not a ton. Peanut butter is mostly fat, and then it has some protein in it too. Peanut butter is another one that people can have an intolerance to, you know. So you want to be careful with that, just like with you and the eggs. Yeah, but peanut butter on toast, obviously very easy to put together, and is another great option for people to have. I know we're going on a little bit of a tangent here, but I did recently have my doctor did a food sensitivity test for me. And I have to share with you guys what came back as my top three sensitivities. Egg whites, coffee, and chia seeds. Chia seeds, so random. So random, right? And so what this test that I took with my doctor basically gives you tiers of like your most sensitive, kind of eliminate these right away. Then there's like a second tier. What was, And then there's a third tier. What was kind of funny is I got the results back of this right at the beginning of quarantine. And I was like, first of all, how can I live through quarantine without coffee? I don't know that's going to happen. <laughs> and then another thing that was on there was um, brewer's yeast, which is in a lot of wine and obviously beer and stuff. And I'm like, this is... How can I get through quarantine and not have wine or coffee? This is going to be, you know, (laughs) challenging for me. But anyway, I do think as we think through this is like trying to switch things up as a teacher and seeing, really paying attention to how you feel. Like, are we just shoving things down our throats, trying to get out the door because it's fast? And how do you feel an hour later or two hours later? Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And I love that you're sharing the personal example because there's there's always going to be these individual differences, right? Like things that work really well for you are not going to work well for me, right? And so yep. you've got to kind of play with it a little bit. I love that you did the testing. I'll be curious to see, you know, as you pull that out of your diet, if you add it back in, how you feel. Because sometimes with those intolerances, once you pull it out long enough, your body can sort of heal you know, from whatever Mm. agitation was caused. And then sometimes you can add that stuff back in. Eggs are an example of one of those things, you know? And so I'm curious 
you know, when we talk next time, maybe a couple months from now, how, how all that's going for you. Well, funny that you say that because last week I was having a craving for like scrambled eggs and <laughs> I had them and I did not feel good. Okay. It was like, Hey, reminder. Now the coffee I have kept, but I've, you know, tried to reduce, but I will say like, I, I did not feel good with the eggs. I think that's out. Yeah. But your point One of the things our family has been doing are the protein waffles. I got a waffle maker off of Amazon and we love the Kodiak everything. So I'm not endorsed by them, but I just want to say like Kodiak has those waffle mixes. They have so many fun flavors of waffle mixes. And we make a lot of the protein waffles, the protein pancakes. I have a seventh grader and a fourth grader. We even get, there's like these cardboard bowls kind of is the best way you can explain it. They have their oatmeal. You can make a pancake in these bowls in the microwave. Yeah. They're packed with protein, which has been really good for me since I can't do the egg thing. We do a lot of avocado toast. And I feel like those are all, you think, oh, waffles will take forever. Well, if you pre-make them and throw them in the fridge the next morning, you just can throw them on there and make the waffles the night before. And like you said, throw them in the microwave. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I know not everybody loves the frozen waffles from the store, but if you make them yourself to your point and then freeze them the next day, it'd be like as if you made it fresh that morning. What would your second thing be? I know we spent a lot of time on that first one about talking about carbs for breakfast. And that's okay. I mean, that's an important one to your point, like how you start the day, both what you eat, your mindset is going to just trickle over into everything else going on. Right. So you want to get, get the morning right. And I like that you shared that you intermittent fasting works well for you in the morning. Before we move on to number two, I'll just say one other problem with overeating carbs first thing in the morning is it can create some mental fogginess or like grogginess for people. Mm. And so if you, if anyone's experiencing that, again, pulling out some of those carbs first thing and replacing them with a little more protein and fat can make you feel a little bit more mentally sharp as well. Um, I think focusing on how you feel, we, we talk a lot about this at E2E, we talk about our thoughts and that our thoughts turn into our feelings and our feelings turn into our actions. Yes. Yes. uh, We talk a lot about that. And this is almost the same thing with food and how we're feeling our body in the morning. I know for me, I do not like really restrictive people saying, don't eat this, don't eat that. That's why intermittent fasting tends to work for me, but I've modified it to make sure that I'm feeling at my best. I think it's a dangerous road when we start getting so restrictive with things. Yeah. I don't know if you agree, but I know I found that in my 42 years of life, anytime I've tried to be like, Oh, I'm going to be healthier. Okay. I'm going to like, I tried keto, for example, Mm -hmm. that is not going to work for a person like me. (laughs) Yeah. For many, I, I did keto as well for a time. It does not work as well for women as men, like many, like many nutritional <laughs> protocols. Um, but yes, you're exactly right. You've you've got to try. I I agree with you that being too focused on structure and rules is not a great long term approach. We're going to want to rebel against that in one way or another, right? And have these kind of binge moments or just like you know weekends where we're having everything in sight that we know is not going to make us feel good, but we just need to break the rules, you know, air quotes on rules there. The tricky balance of that is I like to have a little bit of structure and a little bit of guidelines for people so that they can kind of learn the basics of macronutrients of food so that then they can learn how to kind of bend the rules for their own situation or just create new guidelines for themselves. Like for you, you now know that intermittent fasting works for you, right? And so within that framework, 
you can choose a bunch of different types of food that you're eating and you don't feel restricted, but you kind of have that intermittent fasting schedule as your framework. And that's because you took the time to learn about it and to try it out. Right. And so it's like, you got to learn the rules before you go break the rules, you know? So I think a little bit, a little bit of structure in the beginning is helpful, especially if you're making a pretty, um, you know, a big diet shift, and then you can tweak from there and see what's working and what's not working. Well, you've given us some great options for what we can eat. If we do wake up in the morning and we're starving or, uh, you know, we're really hungry. I think you've given us some really good filling yummy options for the morning. Great. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. (laughs) So what was your number two mistake that you often see? Yeah. So the number two is no bathroom breaks. And really what the, I mean by that is you're not drinking enough water. And what's funny is I thought this one might change with many teachers shifting to remote education, right? Because now you're home. So yep. you, you have the freedom and flexibility to go to the bathroom more so than when you were in the classroom, right? But I'm finding at least what I'm hearing from my friends and from uh, the clients I'm working with is it's they're they're actually more glued to the screen like they're they're getting up even less and going you know and wanting to take fewer breaks than they used to even when they were in the classroom right so that same problem is still there and it sounds so simple when somebody tells you drink more water i I know i imagine your listeners are like rolling their eyes at me right now (laughs) but it makes a huge difference when you're dehydrated you know, you, you experience headaches, fatigue, you can feel like you're hungry, even though you're not, which, you know, gets us back to the nutrition conversation. And so ideally people are aiming for at least at a minimum 80 ounces of water a day. It's going to help them feel better. It's going to give them more energy. It's going to keep things moving from a, a metabolic standpoint. And then when you work out, you want to have even more, right? And so what I have people do who are not used to drinking that much is get a reusable water bottle and set a goal to fill it up a certain number of times per day so that you can be sure you're hitting that 80 ounce mark, right? And just have markers throughout the day. So you can say, okay, I want to finish this first one by lunchtime or by 10 a.m., whatever it's going to be for you. That way throughout the day, you're sure you're getting enough instead of finding yourself in the evening where you only had half of that water bottle and the rest of your day was, you know, coffee or something like that. What if you just don't really love water? I know a lot of people don't. I feel that too. Um, So there's, I mean, I feel like they're inventing a new version of LaCroix every day, right? Yeah. So, so there's the soda, the flavored soda water, if people like that. And they have a lot of those little flavored things you can put in water now. So with those, you want to be careful that you're not choosing one that has a lot of fake sugar in it. And it'll have that right on the label, right? So there are some better options than others. But you can do the flavored water. The soda water helps a lot. Teas are great. You know, same kind of, you want to not have too much caffeine in your day, especially as the hours get later, but there's a lot of great tea out there too, right? And so, you know, find ways to jazz it up a little bit. And then if you really just hate water, you hate those those droppers or those teas, I would take, you know, whatever juice it is you do like drinking, whatever flavor you do like drinking and just water it down. Yep. Do like a half and half water and juice or whatever and kind of help wean yourself from some of those sugary drinks that again are just going to be more carbs for your body to process. You know, one of the things that I stole from my uh, friend Patrice that I played tennis with, uh, she actually works in schools. She's a social worker. She loved the Gatorade 2, the low sugar Gatorade. There's this pink one. 
And she was like, oh, I just water it down and drink it through the day. So this is what I started doing. So I bought myself a, a water bottle and I put our cute E2E stickers on it, um, which by the way, I will send you some of them. <laughs> There's Thank one you. that you guac my world with two avocados that are holding hands. I feel like that might be perfect for you. You're exactly right. I love <laughs> avocado. I was an avocado for Halloween last year. So oh, I would okay. love that. Okay. I'm sending you one as soon as we get off this recording. So this is what I've been doing. And I, I didn't know that we were going to talk about my own personal health journey, but I'm just giving it out today. I don't know what, maybe I'm just in a sharing mood. But so what I did <laughs> is I bought some of those G2s and the pink flavor. I don't know what it is exactly. So I, I got myself one of those nice hydro flask water bottles. I fill it with ice and I put that whole Gatorade in there. Cause I usually go work out in the morning. And then as I'm kind of working out and sipping on that, as I get maybe halfway down it, I go and refill it with water and then I kind of keep drinking it down. And what I find is the ice kind of takes on that fruity flavor. And the next thing I've known, I've drank two or three of those full hydro flask worth of water because it, I do need a little flavor. Like I get super bored drinking water. My other friend who's a physical therapist, she's like, you're going to like a hydro flask because it keeps your water so cold. And there is something really refreshing when you do feel like you're getting dehydrated, go drink like ice cold water. And she was totally right. So those yeah. things have helped me drink more water. I don't love water. Yeah. Not my favorite thing to drink. I'd rather have a big, you know, like you said, a t- iced tea or something, but mm-hmm. yeah, the hydro flask is great. It sounds silly, but having a cup you can drink out of makes a huge, or that you like to drink out of, I should say, makes a huge yeah. difference, right? I like to use a straw because something about the straw, I drink, I think, more, like each time I take a sip compared to pouring it. And I just drink more frequently because I, it, this sounds silly and lazy, but I don't have to unscrew the top, right? Like yep. there's, there's no barrier. I just grab yes. it and drink it. And so especially if I'm having a day with a lot of meetings, it's also, and I'm on video a lot now, so it's less intrusive to, you know, have to drink from a straw compared to a regular water bottle. So that works really well for me. That's a great point. I also like to do, this is not on the tip sheet, but you just reminded me, I'm a fan of powdered greens. So I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables as is, but I like to have even more, right? Just like pack as many nutrients in my day as I can. And this is something I recommend for people who are not eating a lot of vegetables and are just trying to make small steps toward healthier eating is like a greens powder that you can put in water. And then it has all these vitamins and minerals and things like that. They have so many flavors of those things. Now, again, you want to pay attention to the quality that there's not fake sugars in there and things like that, but that's another way to add flavor to water. And then you're also kind of getting that little bonus of the vitamins and minerals and things like that. Hmm. Very interesting. I like that tip. I might even, I put, I wrote that down for me to try. I'll let you know. I mean, in my mind, I'm picturing like, oh, I don't know about this, but I trust <laughs> you to try it. <laughs> yeah. So pick a flavor that sounds good to you, you know, like a watermelon or a berry. Cause the ones that are just plain, like green juice, it's, it's not going to be that great. You're going <laughs> to. <laughs> Thanks for that insider. Yeah. Tip. yeah. Okay. Let's talk about mistake number three yeah. that you see teachers making. Yeah. So this one is skipping snacks. And again, if you know, you're know you willing to, I'd love you to share your, your thoughts on this too, because I know you're in the, the intermittent fasting, which kind of creates a reduced eating window for you and you may not be snacking as much. But for most people, I find that 
teachers were skipping snacks throughout the day. They would have these big chunks of time that they were teaching, right? And then they just weren't taking time to step away and kind of refuel. And so they were only having really big meals at, you know, once or two times a day. And that was just, again, creating some dips in energy and things like that. And so I like to ask that everybody find a way to insert one snack in their day between their larger meals to keep them fueled feeling good energy wise. And then, you know, someone like you, who's like playing tennis or has any sort of interest in being fit and getting stronger, you want to make sure you're eating protein at regular intervals as well. And so snacks are a really big part of that. And so I like to give general rule of thumb when it comes to snacks. I know people don't like to have full meals or something they have to prepare. They kind of turn more to those packaged goods, especially for teachers. You know, it used to be something they kept in their desk. Now, even if you're home, you don't necessarily want to go to the kitchen to prepare something. So if it's going to be a packaged snack, The rule that I tend to recommend is what I call the rule of 15, which is something that has at least 15 grams of protein in it and then less than 15 grams of sugar. You'd be surprised at how many, you know, health bars or protein bars you would grab that have more sugar in them than protein. That is something that's going to stick with me. The 1515. I'm actually trying to quietly Google some of my favorite snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, oh, I want to know. Yeah. I will tell you, like in our house, we ca- we always have apples in our house. Like, okay. okay, so when I was pregnant with my son, I craved, and I was teaching, I would crave like three apples a day. I was apple obsessed. And my son is loves apples. Like our whole family, <laughs> we love apples. Yeah. And the thing I love about apples is the way I cut them up. Like my stepdad one time made me make a video tutorial for him of how I do this. But some, my whole point is here with snacks is I feel like sometimes it's like the presentation of it for me. Yeah. So almost making myself like a little snack bar, like if I'm at home and this is good for teachers at home, is like get a plate and put like a few almonds, mm-hmm. a few like slice up. So I slice the apples up. I feel like now I'm gonna have to make a video tutorial for all of you. <laughs> but I slice them into these really thin slices. And so it takes me a long time to eat them. Yeah. But it like gives me that action of gr- like, having something put in my mouth chewing it apples take a while like bites to bite mm-hmm. off and so it's like that with um a few almonds or I really like there's um there's so many bars and little like almond butter snacks and things like that now I feel like you can get when we're on the go yeah but every time we head out to the baseball field or whatever the family people always are like you have the best snacks in there <laughs> um and it's, I think a lot of it is just having that stuff in our fridge and throwing them in a fun container yeah. Honestly. No, you're right. I mean, the prep is such a big part of it. I I talk a lot about things like protein bars or yogurts or something like that pre-packaged because usually people are low on time and they don't yep. want to like sit and create the plate that you just talked about. But that doesn't take that much time, right? So if you no. do have the space in your day now, 100%, I agree with you. It's worth it. There's something about preparing our food, like actually taking the time to like put it on the plate, to cut it up, to have your, if you're going to like dip it into peanut butter or something else, right? I like what you do with apples. I like to do with cucumbers and hummus. So I'll cut like cucumber chips sort of because I can have that crunchiness. And so there's something about preparing that, that I think makes you enjoy the meal even more, right? And then just visually, it looks like something you'd actually want to be eating or something you would go and buy 
versus just mindlessly like sticking something in your mouth or, you know, a bag of chips or something like that. I think getting fun containers. My mom got me a big container, these containers that have their BPA free or whatever, but they have like the dividers and the lids and my kids take them in their lunch boxes. My daughter takes it to her long dance nights. And she tells me that the other girls are like, Ooh, (laughs) who made you that like adult? What did she call it? I can't remember what she called like a kid, like an adult lunchable style. Yeah. But they came up with some funny name. Yeah. But it's like, like last night she went, we made her like, I just went in the fridge. I'm like, she loves salads. Yeah. She likes ranch. So like we just chopped up the turkey and ham and cheese we had in there and threw some ranch on it and then some little sides. Mm Mm-hmm. But to the, your point of snacking, I, I really agree. I want to go back to what you said about teachers eating like two huge meals. Because I know that there are times when I was teaching, I had two young kids. I lived in the city of Chicago. Like I was lucky to get the kids dropped at daycare and get in the door before the bell rang at school. And oftentimes I would be there and I hadn't even had coffee or anything to eat. Yeah. Because I was caring with for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then I was starving and I would run down the street to Chipotle or run down the street to five guys or whatever, because I hadn't eaten. And this is before I wasn't doing intermittent fasting. Right. So like I wasn't in that kind of a mindset, but, and I would shove food in my face because I had 25 minutes to eat and go to the bathroom. And then the rest of the afternoon, like I would just be like, Oh, you know, and then I would go home and again, eat another big meal. So I was having two huge meals. Cause you're right. There isn't a lot of time to snack, but if we build that into our day and you make yourself, you take the time on Sunday to build yourself some like adult snack packs or adult lunchables, that might be enough to get you through the day. Honestly, yeah. that's the one thing I think intermittent fasting has really taught me is that sometimes when I get done working out and I'm breaking my fasting, I'm starving, but it's really important. The food I eat when I'm starving. Yeah. And so, you know, that happens to teachers a lot where like they're starving by the time they get to lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you touched on a couple of things there with the two big meals to your point, like you're starving, right? So you'll eat anything like you, you certainly are not going to want to go for that salad, especially if you have to prepare it, right? Like the fast food is way easier. I know back when teachers were mostly in the classroom, they were ordering out lunch a lot, right? Like somebody was coming around and taking orders and, and coming, bringing stuff into the school. And like the, when that's your only option or when you're so hungry that you just don't have the same like mental capacity to make a better choice, you're just going to go for whatever's there, right? The other problem with the two big meals, we've talked about kind of the energy like dips and, and highs and lows and things like that. But when you eat so much in one sitting, your body can only process so much food at a time, right? So it's going to shuttle some of it to keeping your body functioning and all of that and hopefully building some muscle mass and things like that. But then that stuff that's kind of left over, so to speak, it has nothing to do with you know, it can't put it anywhere. And so that's when it becomes more likely to sit and be stored as fat, right? So when you have those really big sittings, you feel tired, probably not moving around a whole lot, especially if you're sitting in front of a computer and and kind of glued to the screen. And so it's just less likely that that energy you took in from the food is going to be used for good. It's more likely that it's going to be stored as something. Oh, and the other thing I was going to mention, I think I, I alluded to this earlier, but Protein in particular, you know, if you think about like old school, like bro science of like the guys in the gym with their protein shake, right? Like right (laughs) after their like sets and reps and all of that stuff, like that comes from some real science around 
when you should be eating protein if you want to build muscle. And this is not just for people who are hitting heavy weights in the gym or even people who care about fitness at all, but all of us should want to maintain as much muscle mass on our body as we can. That's what keeps us looking and feeling young as we get older. And it makes us less likely to have injuries and things like that. And so having protein at regular intervals throughout your day, you know, every couple of hours, even if you are intermittently fasting and you have a reduced window, that's going to help you repair your muscle tissues and just, again, keep more muscle on your body so that you look good and you feel good. Absolutely. I can tell you as I'm going through this own transformation myself, I'll share with all of you, like I I'm trying to take off some of my COVID weight that I put on and on more importantly, like just feel good because as you all know, I love playing tennis. It's my stress reliever. It's my mental health, like savior during these tough times, but I want my body to function now at its best ability so that I can go play tennis for two hours and come home and complete my to-do list for E2E and then also be a good mom. And what I am noticing is at the beginning when I did get back to the gym and I started doing some lifting and I was eating, I was hurting. Like it didn't feel great at the beginning. Like just like, you know, I wanted to sometimes not go, but like, I've kind of gotten over that hump and I'm down about 17 pounds now. And I will tell you, it's not about how I look now. People are like, Oh, you've lost all this weight. It's not about that for me. It is really about me, my energy and how good I feel. So I just wanted to throw that out to you because I know a lot of people are in these slumps right now, just get started. And it, it may not be easy at the beginning, but start making those small tweaks. So let's talk about planning. Yeah. Um, and I think this is kind of like one of your other mistakes that you see people making every once in a while is not planning. Yeah. We really quick, we, we touched on it, but we didn't call it out specifically. So the fourth thing is overeating in the evening. Right. And we, oh yeah, sorry about that. No, no, totally (laughs) fine. We just talked, I mean, we've already sort of talked about it, but you know, and all of these things combine by the way, right. They, so when you're doing all of these things, it just makes the next one easier to sort of fall victim to. Right. So again, if you're only having two big meals a day, you likely are overeating in the evenings, not because you're not just because you're truly hungry because you haven't had a lot of food throughout the day. But by the end of the day, you have used like your store of willpower for the day, if you will. You've made all of these decisions, big and small, some that may not even be like on your radar consciously, but you've you're kind of out. It's decision fatigue. You've already made a lot of choices for the day. So by the time the evening rolls around, you're tired, you're hungry, you want just the easy stuff or the stuff that's like really highly palatable and tasty, right? And just, we almost want that over full feeling in the evening sometimes because it's a part of being relaxed, right? And mm-hmm. like kind of your, your signal that like, okay, the day is over, I can chill out now. And so what we want to aim for there is eating until we're 80% full instead of 110% full. And all, you know, some of that is again, the, the foods we're choosing. So not, you know, over indexing the carbs, but making sure there's protein and fat in there as well. Slowing down, you know, with what we're eating again, like taking time to prepare the plate, like we just talked about, right. And then sitting down and enjoying that meal, whether you're with your family or you're eating alone, like actually get into a space to eat, right. And, and tune into how you feel. And that's how you will get better at noticing that 80% full. Perfect. Um, I yeah. love that. Yeah. And so the one that you were just talking about, the uh, what I call the teacher mad planning skills. So 
all of this you can have a strategy for if you plan ahead, right? And so again, this is like no secret to anybody. Teachers in particular are awesome at planning ahead for lesson plans, thinking about what they're going to do with the kids the next day. But I find that many of them have not used those skills on their own health practices. Yes. And so it's funny, like the non-teacher crew that I have worked with on the nutrition side, I have to teach them how to plan and like think ahead. Whereas like teachers already have that. It's just turning the lens on yourself basically. So I feel like it's, it's this secret superpower that teachers know they have, but they don't necessarily make that connection of like, oh, I can do this for me too, you know? This is like, uh, you should see my face right now because we have a cohort of teachers in classroom to boardroom right now, which is teachers who are wanting to transition to the, out of the classroom. I want them to stay in the education field. So I'm teaching them how to get jobs at like education companies. Yeah, And this is one of the things we're talking about is that teachers are so good at getting the most out of their students and helping their students see their strengths. But they're not as good at doing that for themselves. So yeah. I'm trying to teach them to like hold the mirror up to themselves. And like you said, use that same skill set, but for yourself. And I love that you just applied that to fueling our bodies with foods that make us feel good throughout the day. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be hard or super time consuming. And you don't have to plan for the whole week in advance. You can literally just think about a couple days or just think about a couple meals. You know, like, what am I going to have? for breakfast the next two days? What am I going to have for lunch, et cetera? I am the laziest chef. I don't, chef is a terrible word to use. I am the laziest <laughs> food prepper in the world, but I want to eat really well and I want to have good stuff ready to go. And so I do things like buy the pre-washed salads or use the slow cooker for chicken or roast beef or whatever, or pot roast, I should say, right? So that I have that stuff ready to grab and once you've done it a few times, you get faster and faster at it. You know, yeah. that first time is not going to be that fun. Your kitchen's probably going to be a little bit of a mess. You're going to realize you forgot to buy some stuff at the grocery store, right? As you're trying to do your first meal prep, but it gets better and easier and you get way faster at it. And you don't have to put as much cognitive effort into the planning part, right? It just kind of comes naturally to you the way that, you know, doing a lesson plan probably comes really naturally to teachers now. They're not really thinking about, the format and the structure, you're thinking about what you want to get out of it and then spending your time researching what to bring into the classroom or what to refer to, right? It's the same kind of thing with food. First, you kind of have to go through those pain points at the beginning of learning how to apply this skill in a new way. But the more you practice it, the more you do it, the much easier it gets. And it doesn't even feel like a chore anymore. It's just part of what you do, you know, part of your week prep, essentially. So when we get off this podcast, I will be going downstairs, I will be opening my fridge, and I will be pulling out a HelloFresh to cook for everyone oh, for nice. a month. Nice. So I use HelloFresh. I've used them for a long time. But recently, especially with everybody being home and around so much, I max out the HelloFresh. I get six meals a week. And here's why this works for me. One, and I'm not endorsing HelloFresh. Again, not partners. There's so many ways you can do something like HelloFresh. Even my grocery store has these pre-determined you know, determined meals. Yeah. I used to be like, well, that's, I can't spend that kind of money, right? It's too expensive. Yeah. I get like six meals for $180. And that may at first be like, well, that's a lot. Well, think about it. A family of four, if we go to McDonald's, it we're going to... We're going to spend 20 or $25 at McDonald's. Yeah. 
right. I've got a seventh grade boy and a husband who's <laughs> six foot three. And I like to eat too. So like, you know, like I've got two kids and here's the thing about what is so great about HelloFresh is there have been so many nights where we're like, Oh, I don't feel like I'm like, I don't feel like cooking and Bri. Like, I'm just so tired. Let's just order in. And he's like, well, how about I help you? And now it takes him like four times longer to make the meals than me. <laughs> but he, it's like one of us is always like, oh no, we have that really good HelloFresh yeah. in, uh, in the fridge. And so we're not, we're saving money on eating out. We're saving money on fast food, which frankly is more expensive than people think. Yeah. Um, and then when we do go out to eat or we do order Domino's pizza or whatever, like it, it tastes really good. Like we're like, oh man, we haven't had like, you know, pizza yeah. for a long time. Or I went to lunch with some friends a while back and the whole time before we went, I was like, oh, I'm going to get this blue cheeseburger with the bacon and the onion straws. Like I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that burger, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think when we're talking about this prep, like because I'm paying to get things sh- to my door, but it's healthy food. Everything is like a protein, like you talked about with maybe green beans and some sweet potatoes or whatever. And there's always like a really fun sauce or whatever, but really sometimes it is about investing in tools, whatever it is that are going to help you, whether it's a nice water bottle or like take some money and spend it on yourself and you'll really, really appreciate it. So, you know, just treat yourself if you're able to. I know it feels like a big expense when you're when you're ordering like six meals at a time, right? You're like, whoa, yes. that's a lot of food from HelloFresh. And but you to your point, you're spending just as much as you do one meal at a time, right? But with HelloFresh, you're learning how to prepare a meal in a healthier way. And then you can go buy those same ingredients yes. yourself because you just saw it all laid out for you, right? That's usually the hard part for people. And then if you are buying the pre-made kits, you know, they put the sauce and all of that stuff separately. So you can decide how much of that and how much dressings you want to bring in. So you're controlling, you know, how, how healthy or, or, you know, how much fat or something like that is getting. And the salt and pepper, like you have a lot of control, how much butter. And I think the fun, I save all the ingredients. And like one thing it's really turned us on to is like roasting more vegetables, roasting sweet potatoes, roasting carrots. Like there's some great recipes that are just throwing, chopping up carrots, throwing them on a sheet pan. Uh, with some olive oil and salt and pepper, and then you can add honey or chili peppers or whatever. So I love to cook, but what it's doing is waking me up to things, habits I'd gotten into. Yeah. And it's also like I made some pasta with meatballs the other day. And my husband's like, I really cannot remember the last time we ate pasta. Yeah. You know, and not that pasta is bad, but it's more of like, I was getting in this rut because it's easy and fast. Yeah. No. And I'm like you, like I, I look forward to having those meals out so much more when it's not something I do all the time. And when I'm used to like cooking at home. Right. And then I never like to talk about food from like a guilt or a feel bad sort of standpoint. You know, when I go out to eat, I want to order what I want. Right. Like even if what I want is like, the fried chicken sandwich with sweet potato fries, right? Which is usually my go-to. And so I can just enjoy those, those times where I'm eating out and it's not something I usually prepare at home so much more um, when I'm used to like being in that meal prep routine and having some really healthy stuff at home. And then I get really inspired to learn how to make that stuff that's normally unhealthy back at home. Like I have an air fryer, which- Yes, I I love my air fryer. I highly recommend, right? So I have done like chicken and waffles- using that thing many times or like a fried chicken sandwich 
that has it's been awesome. You know, it takes a little bit more work, obviously, but it also tastes phenomenal when you're done. So it's worth it. The other thing too, I sound like I'm a HelloFresh commercial right now. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say to you that I think has really helped our whole family is it's portion control built in. Yeah. Um, Like sometimes we'll be surprised and be like, oh, like, wow, like we can't finish it. Or sometimes we'll be like, oh, okay, well, we're going to take this li- li- like lime cilantro rice and put it in four. And this is how much everybody gets. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's visually really nice to be able to say, okay, this is four servings. Whereas if you make a huge crock pot meal, it's harder for me to realize what like a healthy portion is. So that's yeah. really helped me too. A that, lot. Yeah. That's a great point. And you know, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier with like structure and rules and being overly restricted. One of the things I have people do one-on-one nutrition clients when we first get going is track their food in an app. It's not fun. Do you know? Like it's a pain. No, I hate that. (laughs) And it's like the aggravating part of weighing and measuring your food. I warn them they're not going to like it. And I have them do it anyway, almost all of the time, because that's how they learn exactly what you're saying. Like portion sizes, like, whoa, I thought I was only having a cup of rice. I've actually been having two and a half cups of rice. Or I thought I was eating enough protein once I weighed it, I realized, no, like over the course of the day, I'm actually having half as much as I thought I was. And so going through that pain of the weighing and measuring food teaches you a lot about food. And then you can eyeball it really easily. HelloFresh has done that for you or any, any company right? that has that stuff, has it done for you. So you can start off that those can be sort of like your training wheels to all of this, right? You learn how to cook, you learn portion sizes, and then you can start buying those individual ingredients yourself and making it your own, but still follow those guidelines that they gave you. Well, I just want to go back to where we started with this because I think it's just important. I think you and I both believe this. I'm a curvy person. I've been curvy. Like I'm not, you know, a person who obsessively thinks about my weight, like, we, when we started having this conversation, we talked about this being about how we feel. And so I want to end just talking about your mission. And, and the topic of this is that there are nutrition mistakes that we could be making that aren't making us feel good and not allowing us as educators to be our best during the school day. Yeah. I mean, today, obviously, we spent a lot of time on the food part, the nutrition part, right? Because that's what we wanted to share with people. My mission is a little bit broader. It's sort of zooming out from that and thinking about total health and wellness of a person and really how energized we feel. I think about it as being like an energized educator when I think about teachers. As I Love said, it. you know, like organizational psychology is all about the psychology of work, right? And how people show up and get engaged. And a lot of times, so many people don't know what they want to like, where their passion lies and they don't love their jobs, right? Teachers usually like love their work. They just get burned out on it, right? Because there's like a lot of factors against them. And so I think if we can insert some more self-care into the teacher's regular day, it will, it'll stop that burnout from happening, you know, so rapidly or so frequently, and we won't lose as many great teachers in the fields, right? They'll stay in the world of education and have this great ripple effect on their students and their students' families. My, my mission, so to speak, is to get teachers, you know, prioritizing their own health and wellness, their own self-care and, and zooming out a bit and thinking about the bigger picture of not just their physical body, but their mindset as well, right? And their stress load and all of the things that make them who they are. 
and really cultivating more energy in their day so that they can feel really good while they're teaching and then outside of that time as well. I love it. How can we learn more about you? How can our listeners stay connected to you? Yeah. So my socials are brand new. Um, You can follow me on there. My website is up. It's iteachwell.co. And that's um, the handle through Facebook and also through Instagram. So again, it's iteachwell.co. And then for your listeners, what I'm going to do is if you go to iteachwell.co slash E2E, we'll post this top five tips uh, resource that we're talking about. And then I'll also post a second one that has tips for avoiding burnout. And so if they go to that special E2E link, they'll get both of them instead of just getting that first one, which is on the website. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I know we're recording this before Teacher New Year Reboot, but if you attended Teacher New Year Reboot, you probably heard Candace was presenting as well. Her presentation is available if you are an E2E member in the membership site. I look forward to a lot of fun with you. I know we're going to stay connected. I hope today that you enjoyed me sharing a little bit more about my personal journey of wellness. I'm no longer in the classroom, but I'm definitely, you know, working hard on behalf of teachers here all day, every day. And so I know I've taken a lot of tips and tricks with me, especially the number one thing I think I'm going to take away is that 15 rule when it comes to snacks. So I hope you all have at least one thing that you're going to take away. Please go over there for those freebies at iteachwell.co backslash E2E. Candice, thank you for your time and talents. I really appreciated you being with us today. Thank you again. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Educators to Educators podcast. Before all of you go, I want to make sure you know where to find out what's going on here at E2E. We have a brand new digital newsletter that we have launched in 2021. And you go to the same place every week and we change the info based on all the exciting stuff that's going on here. So you want to check that out at www.educators2educators.com backslash newsletter. Once again, educators2educators.com backslash newsletter. That, of course, is the number two in the middle of that. So go there. We have YouTube videos. We have what's trending in Teachergram and on Teacher Facebook. We have just all kinds of workshops and opportunities. So you don't want to miss that out. Bookmark that. Check it out. And until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on.